T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of News You Can Use right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. It's good to have you along with us this morning. I'm Ann Baldwin, and I'm really excited to have in studio today Dr. Carrie Sasu. Um, She is the director of the Center of Excellence for Teaching and Learning at Connecticut State University. We're going to talk about that. She's a professor in counseling and school psychology. And Carrie, welcome to the program. We've got so much to talk about, including an unbelievable program that you're part of that um, surrounds autism, if you will. So thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, and it's great to be here. Yeah, it's. Uh, I know it's an early morning, but we've got a lot to talk about. So first of all, talk a little bit about, you were also recently awarded um, last year, the 2022 Presidential Citation. Talk a little bit about that, because that's for your work in facilitating interactions between folks with autism and on the autism spectrum disorder, and also folks in the community. So first of all, Hats off to you and congratulations for that. Thank you so much. Yes, it was a a great honor to uh, receive the presidential citation from the president of the American Psychological Association in December of 2022. Um, A great honor. for and recognition for the work that is not mine alone. It takes a, a group effort, but I'm glad to um, to have all of us be recognized. And I was just sort of the, the person to receive that. Well, but. I'm sure a lot of hard work went into that. So why is it that autism is so close to your heart? Oh, yeah, thank you. So I started out, actually, I'm an educational psychologist. I started out working with neurodiverse population prior um, to even finding my way to the university. Um, I worked in schools and in uh, private practice of, of neuropsychologists and um, and then I had my own child um, who was diagnosed with autism at um, just prior to his fourth birthday so I have three children my son is now 15 has autism and will soon be hopefully a driver which is something we will be talking about today as well um, so it's some it's a It's a community that um, I live within because Mm -hmm. I am connected personally, um, but also started out working um, with this group of individuals even prior to having my own personal connection. Wow, that's amazing. And isn't it interesting? You're already in the field and then you experience real life, you know, one of your sons with autism. Is he high functioning? He is. So he is a very capable um, young man. And I would just like to say that there are so many individuals within the autism community who are so highly capable. Um, you know, often I think we we highlight, um, we work from sort of a deficit model and mm-hmm. looking at what people can't do, but there are so many individuals with such great skills and abilities, and just it's really about finding the ways to employ those great skills that folks have and, and carving out space. So talk about what happened while you were at Southern. You had this idea, 
right? Mm -hmm. And then you put it out there. And all these people kind of surrounded you and supported you. And what we're going to be talking about is the Blue Envelope program. So how did that start? Yeah, so the Blue Envelope program started, I had absolutely nothing to do with that. I will say that that is our Department of Motor Vehicles and the um, Connecticut Chiefs of Police Association. It was a collaborative effort between them. There were some folks, one of whom is associated with our um, Center of Excellence for Autism Spectrum Disorders at Southern, who worked on creating the Blue Envelope for the state of Connecticut. The Blue Envelope is a program. It's also a physical (laughs) blue envelope um, that uh, autistic drivers can pick up from their local um, from their local police departments or from the Department of Motor Vehicles and what the idea is um, is that they can house their registration inside this blue envelope keep it in their glove compartment and if they were to be stopped for sort of a routine traffic stop or for any other reason um, they can use that blue envelope and it serves as a cue to the law enforcement professional that this individual has autism and so they may engage in a different way than what might be expected. It also has guidelines on it for the individual with autism to sort of guide their behavior so that they know what they should do um, when they are stopped by a police officer. So going from that, um, that was released in January of 2020, so just before the world went sideways. Right. <laughs> and it really didn't get um, a whole lot of traction or momentum prior to that. So we were talking about it. I'm still affiliated with our Center of Excellence on Autism Spectrum Disorders at Southern. And we were talking about it as a team and the importance for our individuals um, within the autism community to have opportunities to practice um, employing certain tools and really to... Um, to try and quell any anxiety that they may have should they be stopped by a police officer. Well, you think about anybody being pulled over. I know. It's happened to me a couple of times. <laughs> and <laughs> not alone. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, you know, just the anxiety that goes with that. You know, Absolutely. what did I do in the panic and all of that? It's intimidating for anybody to have to deal with a traffic stop. So what are the, the cues and the, and the clues and the guidance that you give folks with autism on that envelope so they know what to do. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to acknowledge, too, that I, too, have been pulled. I want to normalize that. We've all been pulled over, but we still get anxious when the lights come on, when we hear a siren, right? Because it is anxiety-producing for any of us. And and individuals, um, autistic adults, autistic youth, you know, there is a high incidence of anxiety um, among individuals with autism as well. And and that can um, kind of spark maybe an unusual response, right? For any of us, we might act a little awkward (laughs) when we uh, encounter a police officer um, who's pulled us over and and we're wondering what we've done wrong. So, But for individuals with autism, um, the the blue envelope kind of guides them through, you know, wait to be directed as to what you should do, Um, follow the directions, place your hands on the wheel, things so that, you know, their behaviors are predictable and are what would be typically expected by a law enforcement um, personnel. So this was endorsed by the Connecticut Police Chiefs Association. They're the ones that actually started this. And we'll talk in a little bit about how this has gone national, really. So what on the police officer side, what tools are they given 
and how they're going to interact with this person. Yeah, so when we started talking about this as a group um, in the Autism Center, um, one of the things, as I mentioned, that we talked about was the opportunity to practice. And Mm -hmm. so we thought, well, wouldn't it be great if we could create a scenario where in in a controlled environment, um, folks had the opportunity to practice so that if in which case they are stopped on the street, they've already gone through the motions. They've already practiced in a safe environment where they feel comfortable They've met the police officers. Um, And so um, at one point, it was probably, let's say, probably close to two years ago now, um, I reached out to our then chief of police at Southern Connecticut State University, um, Chief Joe Dooley, who is now retired (laughs) and moved on to other things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Still doing great work, still working in this um, initiative. Because he believes in it, you know, and, 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 you know, as a law enforcement officer, it takes that to get that community to come together and to embrace something right. like this blue envelope. Absolutely. Right? I'm so grateful to our um, Southern PD for having really kind of linked arms with us and, um, you know, collaborated to make a training video. The training video, to answer your question, um, is not just for individuals who are um, autistic drivers, but also for the law enforcement personnel um, who engage um, in these traffic stops, uh, these traffic stop practice events, but also traffic stops on the road every day um, so where that can they, people find that video um, we can actually you can find it on our uh, the autism center website um, and so I will make sure I have the website correct for you before we part ways so what kind of training do the officers receive yeah so uh, uh, as folks sign up and we participate and you know collaborate with um, with police departments now from several areas of the state mm-hmm. and we're hoping to gain um, you know some other collaborators from other police departments um, the police officers will watch the training video that we have published but we'll also do a pre-mate wherein um, we'll talk to them about what they might reasonably expect what they could see um, when they engage with an individual with autism on the road or elsewhere in the community. So what are some of the typical behaviors that you might see um, among this population and how they can best um, respond to that in a supportive manner? So what are some of the predictive behaviors? Yeah, so, so autism ha- is, a, is a social communication disorder. So you may see that people don't make eye contact. Eye contact is um, sometimes difficult for some individuals with autism. Um, they may not respond immediately when asked a question or when directed to do something um, and that may be related to sort of a delayed processing auditory processing Mm -hmm. so you tell me to do things it takes me a little while to sort of process what you've said to me and then respond Um, for some individuals like my son for example it could take up to 30 seconds 30 seconds is a long time if we were to sit here and for 30 seconds be a lot of dead air yeah right 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 right. (laughs) Um, so sometimes what ends up happening is in a in an effort to be helpful we, all of us, right, will try to rephrase a question. And that restarts the processing clock for people. Oh. And so <laughs> we've actually, in the in an attempt to be helpful, we've actually kind of delayed that response a little bit further. So there may be a delay in response. There may be some um, lack of eye contact. There may be some repetitive behaviors or self-stimulate. You know, people sometimes um, engage in rocking behavior or hand flapping. Um, those are very sort of stereotypical behaviors among the autistic population. But if people are feeling anxious, they may just begin to engage in some of those behaviors that are um, might be you know misperceived or misunderstood by right folks. I think we all need to better understand that and if you're just tuning in we're speaking with Dr. Carrie Sasu um, who 
is really you know doing some great things down at Southern Thank and you. we just talked about this video that people can watch that you've put together and they can go to your website southernct.edu forward slash ASD dash center if you just go onto the Southern website it's pretty easy to find but that's great that you did a video so that people can see it and people can experience it so Carrie I've got a tough question it's kind mm -hmm. of my job to ask that <laughs> some people would say and some people might be asking right now should these folks even be able to get a driver's license should folks with autism be driving on our roads oh yeah and I will say absolutely there's no reason why not um, you know I think <laughs> and there are a lot of people we probably all encounter on the road that I think oh, probably shouldn't be driving every day every day <laughs> and I'm I, I would be more than willing to bet that those are not um, autistic adults so one thing we need to acknowledge about individuals with autism is that they are generally um, once they have gotten the rules in they are generally very good about um, following the rules they um, like predictability they um, generally like a schedule they may follow the same path to work every single day when they drive. Um, rerouting might throw someone off, but um, they're generally very good about um, uh, being rule followers. And uh, if there's a speed limit, we're probably going to drive the speed limit. Right. <laughs> um, we're going to abide by the stop signs, but everyone, you know, makes mistakes. So there might be a reason to have to be pulled over by, um, you know, a police officer. Could have a taillight out. Right. Could be any, Who anything. Knows? Right, right. Um, but absolutely, you know, individuals with autism, highly capable um, individuals who really need um, to be, especially in our state, to be able to get to and from work. Right. And there's so many more jobs, I find, and feel that in workplaces, that's where I've seen a change, yeah. where people are embracing the fact of the abilities of these folks and giving them jobs. So it's giving yeah. them that bit of independence too, Absolutely. right? So they can get to and from Absolutely. jobs and start making an income and be self-sufficient that way. Absolutely. We certainly want within our society for individuals to be contributing citizens, right? And um, and the autistic population has so much to contribute, just like anyone else, right? right. Um, one of the statistics that's really staggering is that um, among individuals with disabilities, um, although I like to think about it as differently <laughs> abled, right, right. <laughs> um, Autistic individuals have the lowest employment rate, um, even for those who um, have multiple degrees. Um, it really is um, quite staggering when you look at the numbers and um, they are woefully underemployed. So many folks who might have, as I said, two master's degrees, right, are working menial jobs or um, unemployed. The unemployment rates among autistic adults are really staggering. Um, and that really is because think about what it what it takes to maintain a job. It is that so those soft skills, those social communication skills, right. and those are the that's where the challenge lies for these folks. Wow. So people, if you're listening to this program, you need to keep that in mind because loyal individuals, I think as you just said, Carrie, they're rule followers. Generally speaking. Um, you're gonna get that dependency. So let's talk a little bit about your event that's coming up on March 18th. Absolutely. So you're doing, it's called Traffic Stop Practice and it's for people with, with autism. And there are a limited number of slots for people to sign up for Correct. this. So what is this gonna look like? Well, it's, it's again, it's going to be, we should mention it's going to be at the Tungsis College Correct. in Farmington. 
uh, again, March 18th from 8 to noon. So what mm-hmm. what's going to happen on this day? Yeah, so on this day we have um, uh, police officers from several uh, police departments. Mm-hmm. I'll let you read those okay. in. <laughs> <laughs> um, also our Southern PD um, folks will be there to represent and to help um, facilitate this event. What generally happens is prior to... Um, and entering their vehicles and practicing the traffic stop, we have participants come into a room. We show them the video, which they've already been sent in advance of the event, Mm -hmm. but for a second time, we talk to them about what is going to happen so that they can um, know the steps of what are going to, what is going to happen once they leave that room. It also is an opportunity for the, for the police officers who are there, who will be conducting the traffic stop to engage with the drivers prior to, Mm -hmm. and perhaps, you know, as I said, sort of um, quell some of the anxieties that some of the drivers are having um, prior to this because the lights will go on the siren might go on um, when they are in the parking lot so then within the part once they've exited that room once we've had uh, viewing of the video we've talked about what's going to happen we then exit into the parking lot people um, enter their individual vehicles and then um, the police officers will direct them as to where what to do what they need to where they need to stop the lights and sirens will go on um, to law enforcement professionals will approach each vehicle and ask them to go through practicing. If they would like to use the blue envelope, they certainly are invited to do so. There's no obligation to do so if they don't wish to. Um, It's a tool uh, that they can employ should they choose. Right. And then they are, um, you know, then they're free to go. But now they have this experience under their belt and hopefully it won't be as anxiety producing if they are stopped on the road. Let's hope not. But I just can't imagine, you know, signing up to get pulled over. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get a ticket. You don't get a ticket. Okay. (laughs) So we should mention because a lot of um, police departments are taking part. So uh, the folks that are going to be there, you've got the Southern Police Department, Farmington PD, West Hartford, Avon, and Simsbury. And again, this is happening on March 18th from 8 to noon. And where can people go to sign up for this? I think there's a QR code on your website. There is a QR code. There's also an email address. Um, I believe it is ASD Center at southernct.edu. Again, if you go to the Southern website and just put in the search bar, this this uh, event, you should be able to find it easily. So is this going to be one of many, or what's your plan? This is So this is, um, we've already done several stops, a couple on our Southern campus, and then um, in the late fall, we did one down in the southeast corner with Groton and Stonington PD, um, which went extremely well, except for the monsoon we were having that day (laughs) (laughs) well weather can be a factor added challenge but it was worth it absolutely um so we are hoping we're hoping that this will continue to um proliferate and happen throughout the state so that folks throughout our state have um opportunities to engage with their local pd so other folks have tapped into the blue envelope program and you've gone with some of the folks again this is the police chiefs association connecticut police chiefs association who started this initiative why are other states interested? What kind of questions are they asking you? Yeah, great. So, yeah, the Department of Motor Vehicles and the Connecticut Chiefs of Police Association, really, they initiated that blue envelope in our state. Um, we did, uh, Chief Dooley and Lieutenant Anderson from Southern PD and I traveled to the International Association of Chiefs of Police Conference over um, the summer of 22. And um, it was wonderful to see um, law enforcement really interested and engaged. And, and there are, we did learn that there are um, sort of similar 
uh, initiatives happening, not the blue envelope per se, but mm -hmm. similar traffic stop practice events um, happening elsewhere. So it's wonderful to know that folks are truly invested in kind of bridging these two communities. So what is your advice for people who might have a driving age um, son or daughter, grandson, whatever it might be, that might be on the spectrum and mm -hmm. thinking about, would you encourage them to look into them getting their license? Absolutely. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason why an individual with autism um, shouldn't uh, or couldn't get their license if they are, um, you know, able to read and and um, and sit for the test and pass their, their licensure exam. They right? go through so the same go through the, rigors that everybody else does. Absolutely. And if you don't pass, you don't pass. That's right. And I, we all know several people, yes, right, who yes. probably took a couple of times You're right. um, or more. Um, yeah, so there's there's no reason. I think just with support and guidance and practice, like the rest of us, you know, folks can be very successful drivers. So I, it's just a really nice opportunity to also be supported by police so that there isn't that um, fear or worry should one be stopped. And do you suggest that caregivers or parents accompany these folks to this event? Absolutely. We welcome folks. Um, and in fact, that has been one of the most rewarding aspects of conducting these uh, traffic stops as folks reflecting how helpful it was for their loved one to engage in this activity or, you know, wishing that it happened 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. In some cases, we've had, um, you know, adults um, come with a, a sibling or a parent and uh, and folks are really grateful incredibly grateful for the opportunity to engage in this way you've even seen a seen emotion absolutely lots of it and I it makes it I say all the time this is a, a do good feel good event um, so people are gaining skills both on the law enforcement side and within the autistic community and um, and you know relationships are built so it's great so I mean why do you think it's so emotional you know, I think a lot of times, as I'll speak as a parent mm -hmm. um, of an individual with autism, um, a lot of times we see that uh, despite the fact that um, our loved ones are really capable and can do a lot, there is a misunderstanding or a misperception of their um, communication styles, their uh, the ways that they engage um, with others. And... Um, it's not always, the world isn't always a welcoming place. Yeah. Um, so when we are uh, creating opportunities for folks to be welcomed and build these bridges and um, have positive experiences, uh, it's, it's always met with gratitude. So how many folks um, will you be able to sign up for this event? Again, it's coming up on March 18th from 8 to noon at Tunksis Community College in Farmington. Go to the Southern Connecticut State University website and just do a search for this particular event. But you've got just a number of slots available. Correct. We are limiting it to 30 um, participants. Um, but we will certainly, if there is a need to accommodate more, we will recruit other PDs <laughs> um, to engage with us and uh, and hopefully um, have additional traffic stop practice so Will there be more after this? We don't have anything yet set up, but we're, we are in the process of um, identifying additional uh, police departments to engage in collaborating. Well, well, hats off to you because I know this is kind of your your passion it and it's kind of your side gig um, yes. you're, you're already very busy with three kids and and working at southern connecticut state university so what is your final message for our listeners this morning about how we can all 
you know, maybe be better when it comes mm. to, you know, I even struggle, I got to be honest, in doing this interview with my terminology, Yeah. you know, as, as someone who's supposed to be presenting the topic, am I saying the right things? Am sure. I asking the right sure. questions? Am I identifying these individuals correctly? Because yeah. it changes. And it does. so what do you say to people? And so let me just say, I think you did wonderfully. <laughs> I did okay? You All did right. wonderfully. Well, thank you. I, okay, thanks. Good. Um, I also want to say that it is, it's a moving target, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think for all of us, if we just communicate respect and ask people how they wish to be identified. So, you know, for me, one of the, one of the things that um, I have reflected on recently is when I was trained, um, we always used something called person first language, always identify an individual with a disability. So an individual with autism. But what I've heard from um, the autistic community among those adults um, who are advocates um, and self-advocates will, many of them will say, no, I prefer to be identified as an autistic adult. Um, I wear this as it is wholly who I am and um, and it's almost like you know a badge of it's identity right it right. is how it's, I it's freeing it's got to be freeing yeah. and it also helps the person on the other end of that conversation know how to better you know deal and, and sure. communicate right I think some of it is just about asking right like mm-hmm. help me to understand I yeah. think whenever I'm approached personally like help me if someone were to say help me understand who you are what a wonderful question to ask someone. <laughs> like, how do you want to be identified? Who, you know, who are you? Um, it's just communicates respect and um, an appreciation for the diversity of human experience. So um, that's right. And we're making people more functional and more welcome in today's society. So having that 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 liberation of getting that driver's license, you know, imagine the freedom that that gives these individuals so that they can go to work, so that they can live their life. Uh, it's just one more thing that they can do. Absolutely. And, and so I just, again, I applaud the effort and encourage people to go to the Southern Connecticut State University website if you want more information uh, and keep updated. Watch the video and see what one's next if you can't make the one in March, right? Perfect, yes. Okay. Well, Carrie Sasu, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure speaking with you, and I appreciate your passion and your openness in talking about your situation and you. what you're doing along with all these other folks from DMV and uh, the Connecticut Police Chiefs Association to to make this happen. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. It was a pleasure. And, of course, we couldn't do this without you. We want to thank you for tuning in to this edition of News You Can Use right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.